Hello and welcome to another episode of the Raptors Community Podcast. As usual, we're talking raps, and as always, um, they seem to either overperform or underperform, and right now, the Toronto Raptors are underperforming. They've slid to 1-4 and four on the season. Who could have seen this coming? Not me, that's for sure. Let's. Uh, there's a lot to break down here in terms of the Pascal Siakam fiasco and the Raptors' offense and their defense. Uh, basically everything that's wrong with this team. And today we're going to start off with the first segment, which is what has happened to Pascal Siakam? As we know, we saw what he did last season. He was hitting pull-up threes, fadeaway jumpers, and he'd taken a noticeable step up from the previous season after winning most improved player and a title. And he became a first-time All-Star, second-team All-NBA, and then the bubble hit. And now that the Raptors are losing to start this next season, he's the one on the hot seat because he's not performing very well and widely considered Toronto's best player, best asset, and also the guy who's performing the worst on the team out of the big five to six guys who were dependent on. I would say there's five guys that were dependent on. Lowry, OG, Van Vliet, Siakam, Powell. And out of the five, there are a lot of disappointment in those five guys, uh, except Kyle Lowry. We can keep him out of the conversation there, but... There's a lot of disappointment there within those four guys. There's been a lot of struggles, inconsistencies. But Siakam has been the worst and the biggest drop-off, I think. He's been sat out for disciplinary reasons, fouling out of games, and there's been locker room tension between him and Nick Nurse and the players. And now, after the Raptors have fallen to 1-4, and four, Raptor fans are imploring that he gets traded And they think this is the best solution. Trust me guys, it's not the best solution. And I'm going to start off by talking about why we wouldn't want a James Harden superstar type player. And why Masai Ujiri won't pull a deal to acquire him. First and foremost, he's on a two-year contract. And the Raptors will be mortgaging their future in a significant way because of the asking price by the Houston Rockets. In previous years, specifically the Kawhi Leonard trade in 2018, Toronto was willing to give them DeMar DeRozan and Yaka Pertl, a young asset and a star player for a superstar and a role player in Danny Green. And they obviously attached one first-round pick onto that to sweeten the deal for the Spurs, who wanted Kawhi out of there because of the tension within the team, He obviously only played nine games the season prior. And it was just the perfect move for Toronto when they're in a place of not mediocrity, but constant disappointment and underperforming to the expectations of the fan base and the front office. And as a result, Masai Jerry pulled the trigger and got Kawhi Leonard. And we all know what happened after that. The difference here is that the Houston Rockets are going to want Pascal Siakam and realistically, three to four first-round picks. And with Toronto's history in the Masai Ujiri era of correctly drafting in such a good way and have been consistently 
really good in the draft, especially finding late round, late first round draft picks that are solid players, as we've seen in Malachi Flynn, who looks like he's going to be a solid player, and OG Ananobi, who's proven to be a good player, Pascal Siakam as well, another late first round pick. So Toronto's had this consistent ability to prove that their draft picks are more valuable than the players are kind of valuing them at and that the fans are specifically valuing them at and as a result the fans are saying hey let's trade for James Harden but hey look at this you're going to lose four of your draft picks over the next seven years and it's just not worth it to me all right it's not worth it and Fans don't realize that it's okay to be mediocre. It's okay to go through these struggles. It's still early in the season. What we're seeing, this product on the court, is highly unlikely going to be the product we see for the rest of the year. And I'm going to explain why as I kind of go through this podcast, but there's a lot to cover here. I think one thing that's overlooked is that the Raptors are, in general, they're playing bad. Right? It's not just Pascal Siakam who's been struggling. And it's the entire team. And when you look into the numbers, you see that the Raptors are generally playing poor. And as we know, their system with this current cast of players is get out and run in transition. And this is especially a good move for Toronto, a good strategy, because they've got, at a time, four ball handlers on the court sometimes. If you're running out Siakam, Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, and OG, and Norman Powell... Or you mix that with you know a big like Boucher and Aaron Baines. You've got three to four ball handlers at once. That makes for a deadly team in transition. Especially when you got really good playmakers in Lowry, Van Vliet, and Siakam. Who's an up and coming playmaker who's developed his game in that front. You know he might not be scoring that well. But he's shown he flashes of being able to facilitate and move the ball. But for me, I think the Toronto Raptors are best, like I said, running in transition, playing good defense, being a top five defensive team in the NBA, and causing turnovers, which leads to running in transition, which leads to transition buckets, and then also hitting the three ball at a high percentage. And this is where I think the Toronto Raptors have lost what they have sort of been dependent on last season, which is why they played so well last year. And despite what Raptor fans think overachieved last season by making it to the second round and all all in well should have been out of that series after that second game, after that third game, they should have, theoretically the Raptors should have been swept, but they pushed it to seven and overachieved. And part of that is because they're hitting the three ball at a high rate and their defense and like I said, running in transition, but this year they've become too dependent on the three-pointer and are now the leading the NBA in three-point attempts, but not three-point makes. And that's where I think the team is going to continue to struggle and is going to have to find different ways to score and give teams different looks than just, hey, I'm going to chuck up a three-pointer. I'm going to chuck up a three, a corner three, you know. There has to be a threat in the paint. And this is where I think Gasol and Ibaka, especially Ibaka, is really being missed for Toronto is... They lack that punch in the paint. A guy like Boucher gives you a little bit of that inside-out game, which is nice, and can get you offensive rebounds. But Aaron Baines isn't that guy. Alex Len isn't really that guy. So for Toronto, they're really lacking 
like I said, an interior threat. And Siakam hasn't been that this year for them. So they're going to have to look to either give Powell or OG Ananobi more back screens, cuts to the paint, so that they can get open looks down low, playing off ball, so that they can get, you know, either a completely open three-point shot or a dunk or a layup. Because if you can get into the paint more often, you can open up everything else. And Toronto has to minimize their their three-point attempts and move more towards making more threes by taking less. And that's done, like I said, by focusing more on the paint and giving what the defense is going to allow you. Because teams are going to be happy with Toronto shooting 50 to 60 threes a game because they're hitting them at a low rate. And they're not going to get to the line. And as a result, they're not really going to win games. We've seen that that's a recipe for the Raptors to lose. And in the half court, they really do struggle in that sense. So going back to the Raptors' offense, they're 27th in the league at 104.4 points per game. They're shooting 33.2% from three-point range, which is 22nd in the NBA, and attempting, like I said, 46 three-pointers per game, which is number one in the NBA. So you see where the problem is? Their three-point percentage is 22nd in the NBA. Their three-point attempts is first in the NBA you shoot something at a really inefficient rate you got the Westbrook effect you're not going to win games and sorry to to bully Westbrook like that but Toronto has also been poor at the free throw line only getting 17.8 free throw attempts per game which is 29th in the NBA and oh you can say it's the ref's fault it's the ref's fault but it's not really the ref's fault Toronto's not being aggressive they're not getting in the paint they're not getting easy looks and you're not going to foul a lot on three-point attempts. It's very rare that a three-point shot, you're going to get fouled versus a shot in the paint. And as a result, Toronto is struggling at the free-throw line and just not getting there as much as you want them to. There are some things that they're mediocre at, right? They sit about the middle of the league in rebounding, assists, and turnovers. The Raptors want to improve They need to improve their rebounding, limit offensive rebounds, which is something that they struggle with is, you know, second chance points and keep whizzing that ball around. That's what they do, right? Toronto's system without a superstar is move that ball around and get guys open looks, get guys easy buckets, get them dunks. And when you're a mediocre team in the assist region, you're really not using your your players to the best of their advantage and maybe it's just because guys are missing shots right now I think Toronto will spike up once they start hitting their their shots hitting their three-pointers and they maybe start moving away from it a little bit more and shoot them at a more efficient rate but for now they're still struggling in that region and then the turnovers are more or less a function of the sloppy ball handling that we see sometimes from a guy like Siakam or OG Ananobi who you know we talked about this new and improved handle but the end of the day, Siakam and Lowry are both averaging over three and a half turnovers per game, and OG and Obi's averaging one and a half turnovers per game. So this is something we need to see Lowry as our leader kind of step up and clean up a little bit, and maybe play Siakam a little bit more off ball, get him a couple paint touches, but don't really let him dribble into the paint like we saw against Boston, which was a struggle for him because more often than not, I see him dribble into the paint and every single time he'd lose that ball so 
for me, I think Toronto has to change the way they use Siakam in more of an off-ball role, hitting, you know, corner threes and, you know, maybe give him a few post touches where he's looking to score. But I don't know about giving him the ball in the mid-range and letting him try to drive to the basket and kick it out because that seems to be one of the most ineffective shots in his arsenal right now and one of the worst plays Toronto can look for. One good thing with the Toronto Raptors is their defense. They're top 10 in steals, top 5 in blocks. However, they're third in personal fouls, which is a whole other thing with the ref debacle we could talk about another day. But the Raptors are 1-4 with a point differential of minus 2.2. The only team that's in the same realm is the Washington Wizards, who are minus 2.1 and 1-5. And so the thing with the Raptors and the Wizards is they're both competitive teams. They're in close games. And let's specifically focus on the Raptors like we do here, right? That's the name of the game. And one of the big issues, which, you know, there's going to be a lot in this podcast. This is basically a complaining podcast. I'm sorry about that. But uh, we'll get into some positive stuff later with their defense and the net rating stuff. But um, like I said, 1-4 and four with a point differential of minus 2.2. They're competitive in these games. They just struggle closing out games. And down the stretch, it's tough when the refs are calling everything on you and very frustrating when it feels like the deck is stacked against you. But this team has faced that a lot in the past, and they've shown that they can thrive in adversity. And maybe they're missing a kind of glue guy, right? The Abak and Gasol, their value is equal on the court as it is off the court. Because when they're off the court, they're cheering on their teammates. And when they're in the locker room, they're supporting their guys, and they're just great people. Right, we've seen it through the media. These are great guys you want in your locker room to help keep you guys motivated. And Toronto might be lacking that this season is a guy who can kind of keep everyone together, keep the team glued during stretches like this. This is the exact situation where a glue guy is super valuable. And I think this is a big proof that Toronto is missing Gasol and Ibaka right now. Now let's talk about the team's net rating with Pascal Siakam on the floor and off the floor. We're going to look at a little comparison here. Someone sent me this over Instagram. I couldn't find who it was, and I apologize for that. Maybe I'll give them a shout-out on my story, but the net rating with Siakam on the floor, 116 minutes of gameplay, minus 13.3. That's the team's net rating with Pascal Siakam on the floor. Without Pascal Siakam on the floor in 76 minutes, plus 16.6. So there's good reason to be pushing the blame to Pascal Siakam because he's the guy who's, when he's on the court, they're playing bad. When he's off the court, they're playing good. Why is that? Part of it is Boucher's coming on and he's been lights out this season. But another part of it is there's less turnovers. Your team's got a little bit more chemistry. The ball's moving around more. You know, sometimes Siakam can be a bit of a vacuum. And it's amazing when you look at the stats and you see Toronto is 1-4. and four. The only game they've won is when Siakam didn't even play. That's just crazy. And I think another interesting thing is how can Toronto be better? Because there's a lot of different ways we can do that. And Bill Simmons on his podcast kind of said it best. And he said that Toronto Raptors need someone to step it up or take a leap 
And he was specifically targeting OG and Anobi and saying, this guy's young. He's the guy who needs to take a leap. And when you look at the numbers, you kind of say, hey, you know, OG usually shoots 50% from the field. He's only shooting 42% now. He's hitting the same number of field goals as he did last season, but he's taking almost two more shots per game. And he's continuing to struggle in terms of his efficiency. And he's had games where he'll drop like 20 points on 7 of 10 shooting and he'll drop 5 points on 1 of 10 shooting. There's a little bit of inconsistency in OG's game. And I'm hoping that he can find some rhythm, some flow. And the same thing with a lot of the guys on the Raptors squad, which I'll get into their offensive struggles in a bit. But for me, I think that OG is a guy who we need to see Toronto take to the next level, either by incorporating more in the offense or making him more of a ball handler, distributor on top of his scoring ability, giving him more cuts off ball. You know, there's a lot of different ways to get him more action in the game because he's playing 36 minutes per game but his numbers are eerily similar to last season which a lot of fans were expecting a leap in OG you know from last season where he was at like 10 to 12 points per game to now being somewhere in the realm of 15 to 20 that's what we were expecting of him and the result this season has been bad a lot of it's to do with his three-point shot being terrible this season at 25 percent shooting from the three-point range and that's going to be big struggle in his game once in a while because OG's got that inside game. He can score down low. He can dunk. He's athletic. He can grab offensive boards. But his three-point shot is in and out. And so I want to see him take that next step by being a bit more consistent next season. So now we're going to take a quick break. And we are back. So Let's talk about the Toronto Raptors' defense now. This is a, the positive section of the podcast because the Raptors still have the sixth best defense in the NBA with a defensive rating of 104.3 behind only the 76ers, the Suns, the Cavs, believe it or not, the Pelicans, and the Mavs. So the Toronto Raptors are getting what they want on the defensive end somewhat. Teams are scoring 40 points in the paint, putting them third best in the NBA in that category as well, which is impressive. So not only is Toronto's defense top six in the NBA still, which is not a big slide off from last season, but they're also keeping teams out of the paint and forcing them to take outside jumpers, which is what you want against, say, the Pelicans or the Knicks or the 76ers. That's exactly what you want these teams to do. The issue is been the offense and I think every Raptor fan knows that watching the game they attempt a lot of three-pointers but don't make them they're eighth in points in transition at 15.6 points per game and they have to be closer to somewhere in the 19 points per game range which is in the top five to be more competitive in these games and when you look at the net rating of minus 2.2 on the season if Toronto can move from like 15.6 points per game in transition to somewhere closer to 18, 19 points, that covers that net rating without even having to improve the stuff that we know is going to improve over time, which is the three-point shot, Siakam's play, Van Vliet's play, Powell's performance, and even potentially OG's as well. So to me, this is a simple fix, which is continue to be aggressive on defense, you know, try and uh, do what you do 
but try and complete your transition plays more effectively. And a lot of this is going to lie on Siakam because he's the guy who's quick and athletic that we're going to be dependent on to run a lot of these fast break plays. And I think when we get him out and running like that, maybe that'll help translate to other parts of his game, his three-point shot being a little more efficient, his post plays being more efficient as well. Another issue with the Raptors is that the big five aren't performing that well, besides Kyle Lowry. So let's look at the players shooting under 40% from the field this season. Norman Powell at 32.6%, Pascal Siakam at 39.4%, and Van Vliet at 39.5%. And these three guys all contribute to 40 field goal attempts per game for Toronto, which is almost half of their shots is between Van Vliet, Siakam, and Powell. And as a result of that, the team is really, really struggling to score. As we talked about, one of the worst defenses in the NBA, the bottom 10, in fact. And a lot of that's to do with these three guys not being able to contribute enough to the team and shoot efficiently, especially Powell and Siakam. You know, Van Vliet is pretty close to his average from last season. He's only about 2% down. Whereas a guy like Powell shot 49.5% from the field last year and is now shooting 32.6%, which is a 17% drop-off. That is significant for a guy like Powell who had a breakout season last year. And same thing with Siakam. It's about a 6% drop from 45% last season. And another big drop is OG Ananobi, who shot over 50% last season and is now shooting under 42%. So there's about an 8% decrease in fact closer to nine percent drop off from last year and we hear a lot of noise about how the problem is the new bigs that we brought in right we know they're not the best and we automatically point blame to them because they're the new guys and the raptors old guys were really good bigs in Ibaka and gasol and now we're losing so you immediately target them but A lot of the guards and forwards need to be better. And so now I'm going to play a quick little game with you guys. Um, It's going to be more minutes, less minutes. And I'm going to be naming a few different groups of people. So we'll start with Alex Len. Give my man more minutes. He can shoot the three ball. He's a big body. He'll be very useful against teams like Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Terrence Davis. Give my man more minutes. He's proven to be a, a really good young player last year. I think that he can take another step if he's given the keys to the offense a little bit more and is just given a similar time to play as last season. Malachi Flynn. A lot of you aren't going to like this, but I say keep him at about the same. Don't really play him yet. He's kind of that secret weapon on the bench. Um, you got to humble the rookie. got to give him some time to develop his game, get used to the system. So for now, I say it's still too early. Don't play him yet. Matt Thomas, give him more minutes. Why not? He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Chris Boucher, playing 20 minutes per game. More minutes. We need a big who can get offensive rebounds and who can shoot. He's a perfect fit there as a 4-5 hybrid. I really want to see more Boucher this season. He's already been playing amazing. And I really love what he's been doing this year. Less minutes, the rest. Starters plus Norman Powell. You're overplaying these guys. Nick Nurse, you're overplaying them. You don't need these guys to be playing 35, 36, 37, 38 minutes per game. You know, these 
are starters, but give some rope to the young guys. None of them are playing because everyone else is playing too many minutes. In fact, Lowry's 34 years old and he's playing almost 38 minutes per game. Give Daddy Lowry a break. OG Anobi's playing 36 minutes a game. That's fine with me. Van Vliet, 35. That's good. Siakam, 35. That's good. The rest of the guys, give them some more minutes. Keep Powell at about the same. I know I said less, but now looking at his numbers, only 23 minutes per game. Give him about the same, if not more, and try and reduce the, the strain on a guy like Lowry or Van Vliet by allowing Terrence Davis to come in and, and be a secondary ball handler and playmaker while also reducing their minutes and giving them some rest throughout the regular season. It's going to be a long year, and if the Toronto's losing anyway, you may as well run some of these younger guys. Now I want to talk about the plus-minus. There's one big negative I want to discuss, and it's Pascal Siakam, minus 12.3 on the season. Oh my god. I cannot believe that. And players who are positives on the floor, guys who have had a net ne- positive impact on the team, despite being 1-4. Cal Lowry at plus 3.8, and Chris Boucher at plus 3.6. OG Ananobi at plus 3.4, Len at plus 2, and Powell at plus 1.4. Lowry and Boucher are not really a surprise here to me. I think that when they're on the court, there's a net positive impact on the game. Boucher is a great spark plug off the bench who gives the team instant offense while also being a threat at the rim on the defensive end that keeps teams a little more honest when they try attacking the paint. The only person close to last season's performance-wise is Kyle Lowry. The rest of the guys have been struggling quite a bit, especially OG, Powell, Siakam. Those are the three guys we need to step up to take the next level this season. Another thing is allowing other teams to get in transition. Toronto is 22nd in opponent points off turnovers with 19.8 per game. If you're going to want to win, you're going to have to be the team that plays better in transition, and gets more points off turnovers, especially when you're dependent on your defense and your half-court offense is as poor as the Raptors has been the last couple years. And to me, I think the Toronto Raptors, to summarize everything I've been saying, they have the potential to be a really good team. They're still, in my opinion, a lock as a top six seed, despite being one and four to start the season. However, in my mind, they're better off by reducing the load on the Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam trio, allowing the bench to come in and supplement the offense, and being more aggressive in transition and trying to score more points there. And by being more aggressive in transition, that's going to translate to better three-point shooting over time. That's the big takeaway from this entire podcast is that, yes, Siakam is struggling. Yes, Lowry is struggling. A little bit. Yes, Van Vliet is struggling. Powell is struggling a lot. Aaron Baines' three-point shot has been terrible. 20% from three this season. But at the end of the day, if your defense is there, you're going to be in games. And they've got the defense. They've just got to connect the other parts of their game to substantiate their half-court offense because their half-court offense isn't that good. We know that. That was what happened last season. So how can you take the pressure off your half-court offense by playing great defense and getting out in transition more often and therefore taking advantage of those plays, which will lead to open three-pointers, which will increase your three-point shooting percentage. 
So I think for me, the Raptors just have to be more aggressive and continue to push the pace and do what they do, and they will be fine. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys listening to me rant the last 30 minutes. And if you like the podcast, throw a five-star review down. Why not? Help me get more followers and, you know, listen to me. I I know my stuff. I know the basketball. And I love to give you guys the best in-depth analysis of the Raptors and everything related to them. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate all the love, the support. Uh, Make sure to follow the Instagram, of course, Raptors Community. Subscribe on YouTube as well. And subscribe to the podcast because I'm going to try and be more consistent on this. It's just challenging because I don't want to rant for 30 minutes after every single game. Sometimes it's good to bunch them up together and give you guys a big time rundown of everything that I feel has been struggling. And in week one, Toronto, going to give them a one out of 10 because that was a disappointing first week. And I want to see this next week. I want to see Siakam play better and I want to see them hit some more threes while also reducing the amount of shots they take from three-point land and being a little less dependent on it, but being more efficient. Thank you guys again for listening and have a safe week.